gonna look twice at you Until I see the Christ in you Welcome to our weekly conversations, weekly meditations. Today we are uh, wrapping up, uh, finishing our series about the uh, spiritual principles, four spiritual principles. And this is uh, our last conversation, final considerations. And I think it's a very interesting uh, final consideration. What is the key of the principles? And uh, we have been exploring, as, as you know, during the last four weeks, uh, the work of uh, Pastor Dick Woodward, Four Spiritual Secrets is the book. It's out of print, but uh, you can find a used version. And I think there are some uh, recordings of a, kind of an audio book. The, the four principles, I am not, but he is. This is the first one. I can't, but he can. The second one, I don't want to, but he wants to. Is the third one. And I didn't, but he did. Is the last one, and all that is a very, very big the span span of a life, if you want, uh, that can be applied in different ways. So, so the, the the final considerations that could be the beginning of the considerations too of these principles is just to acknowledge that um, you know knowing the principles uh, is is one thing, as in most of the spiritual conversations, you know, having the information is one thing. But experiencing that information is another thing, right? It's different. We can memorize uh, sometimes even a scripture, and there is so much value in it. But experiencing uh, that uh, scripture, or in this case, the principles, is a different thing. So he gives us uh, the, the key. Uh, yeah, I like the analogy of a key, right? And he uses the analogy of... You can have a car, you can have the, all the engine and everything ready, right? And it won't be very useful if you don't have the key, <laughs> right? And I like the analogy. It's a simple analogy of a great teacher. So the principle, the principle of, or the key of this principle is this. Christ is in you and you are in him. That's the key of all of this. Christ is in you and you are in him. Love it. Really, I, I can say this is the key of a whole understanding about the spiritual formation. It is not outside of you only, you know, because there's some of that is, is understood that way. It is in you. You have to seek. And Christ in you is the key of all of this. It can happen just because Christ is in you. So, you know, short context in the Bible, some of the in Christ of the Bible. I just mentioned four, okay? First is Galatians 2.20, famous, famous in Christ. This is Paul bringing a famous passage. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I know, I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So this is one of those passages that speaks to the heart. And then we try to make it logic and 
I don't know, we can either go into all this intellectual aspect and a little bit of philosophy, <laughs> which is great, or uh, we just get lost. Like, how is this? Christ is in me. I'm, I'm being crucified with him. This is the mystery. Christ in me. Christ in you. I have died. And actually, the baptism, I like the, the idea of the baptism, you know. I, I am... Uh, I am put in water, kind of, I cannot live in water, right? But I'm raised from the water into this new life. Christ in me is this new life. So this is one of the passages. Another uh, in Christ that I love is, has been very, is very dear to me and lots of good memories with this passage. This is Paul, again, in Greece, in Athens. And he is, this is part of his great uh, sermon. Uh, reaching out the, uh, the people in Athens. So he says, and he made God, God made one man from one man, every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. And I love, even though Paul is quoting uh, here in a very intelligent way, uh, some uh, something that is familiar for, for his uh, hearers, for the audience that he's speaking. Uh, this has been very deep in me. In him, we live, we move, and we have our being. We sometimes are aware of this, and sometimes we're not aware. The invitation in this spiritual journey, the invitation of Jesus, the Spirit, is to be aware that we live, and we are in him. That there is no life without him. And, uh, and there is no real life and eternal life outside of him. Okay, so just a touch into, into that. I live, we move, and we have our being. Another passage. This is the Passion Translations again. Translation again. This is, is a interesting. And Colossians 1 is another dear verse for me. You know, the mystery of Christ. But listen how it is written. Uh, or, or share to us through the Passion Translations. Trans translation, sorry. Paul again. There is a divine mystery, a secret surprise that has been concealed from the world for generations. But now it's being revealed, unfolded, and manifested for every holy believer to experience. Living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. <laughs> this mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure, chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people. And God wants everyone to know it. I just love it. <laughs> it is saying a different way. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Christ in you individually. Christ in you, people of God. In you. Ah, can be better. I don't know how 
can express how much this this uh, verse uh, has been uh, really a transformative element in my own journey. Believing, daring to believe that Christ is in me changes everything. John 17, 20, 23, Christ or Jesus talking, and he says this in different ways, in different places, but this is one of those, you know, the, the amazing apostolic prayer, right? The priest, the, 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 as a priest, he's praying for us, for you and me, right? John 17. I do not ask for this only, the disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, you and me, that they might all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also might be in us, so that the world might believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they might be one even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they might become perfectly one, so that the world might know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. We can stay a long time with that passage, right? At some point, at the beginning, you hear, you read that as it's confusing. Oh my gosh, who is in who? Who, who is first, <laughs> right? Beautiful. I tried one time to draw this, <laughs> just as a little note, to, to, to try to make a, a graphic representation of, of this. And it was very interesting to see. Jesus in God, God in Jesus, we in, in, in Jesus, and, and all this unfolding belonging. So, a few, this idea of being in Christ is not different, right? It's not, it's not foreign to Scripture, especially to the New Testament. So, three brief ideas, hopefully. I'm trying to make them brief. Being in Christ is not the same thing that being in religion, okay? And please listen in my word. In my words, I'm not trying to bring any judgment or condemnation. Just a distinction that you can be in religion without being in Christ, and that is not a judgment. That is just a a call to be awakened, <laughs> a wake up call, right? It is in Christ. So think of the Pharisees of the time of Jesus, right? They were in religion, but some of them were not in Christ. So being in Christ involves something more than correct doctrine and information. Remember, doctrine and information are important. We need that to start, but they are not the end of this journey. The end is to be in Christ, right? As Jesus prayed. So, I like this scripture, it's John 5, so Jesus is talking, and you know, in this, one of the back and forth against, it, or, or with the Pharisees, and talking about that, he's talking about the witnesses, the true witnesses of, of who he is, right? And just this little passage is also very helpful. Jesus is speaking, you, to the Pharisees, you search the scriptures, because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you might have life. Do you see the distinction? Scriptures are good, but they are bearing witness 
of something deeper. In Christ, for Christ, through Christ. That's a mystery. Beautiful. Being in Christ might be better considered an alignment. I call, I call it that. It, it's, it doesn't make enough, uh, <clears throat> it's not fair enough, but it's helpful. Alignment with Christ or being under the influence of Christ. It is actually giving ourselves to Christ. It's so interesting how being in Christ is like Christ being in us. And you know, when we talk about the Lord's Supper and Christ, Giving us this, you know, breaking his body. He said, eat me. <laughs> what are you talking about? Eat me. I mean, do you want another graphic that I can be in you? Drink me. So, and I talk about alignment. And this is a word, a faith walking word in a way. It's, 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 I can be aligned uh, with, with God. You're not thinking in him seeing in him, through him, speaking in him and through him. And that's alignment. And, and I can be also misaligned, right? It can be slightly off. And being in Christ, thinking of alignment, it can be, it's a constant struggle. In, in one way, we are in him, right? The love of God is not at stake. But in this sense of alignment, it's a struggle. It's a constant struggle. Because there are times when we are, consciously aligned to Christ, and there are moments when we are unconsciously misaligned to Christ. So I can be seeing things clearly one moment, and then I lose focus for some reason, and there's no judgment, there's no condemnation, the love of God is not at stake, and suddenly I'm seeing things from my own perspective. I need Christ to be in Christ all the time. I need the Spirit to be focused all the time. Actually, this is a point that in the book, Pastor Dick uh, makes very clearly, and he uses a great example, you know, that, that, that we all know, Peter. Peter, in, in one moment saying, uh, Jesus asks, who, who do you say that I am? And he said, you are the son of God. <laughs> yeah, boom, a line right there, right there. Oh my gosh, it, there was no flesh that, that, was, uh, re that revealed this to you, Peter. It was my, my father who revealed that. So you see that alignment? And what happened in the next episode, it's just this, the next moment, you know, Peter says, oh, you don't have to suffer. Jesus says, you have to suffer. And Peter says, no, no, Lord, you don't have to. And he calls him, depart from me, Satan. You see, align, misalign. Right? I don't know, but I relate a lot with that. That is a good call to humility. Oh, Lord, I need you. <laughs> Feel me, hold me tight because I might lose things. This is not something that I produce, but God produces in me. Being in Christ. Second point, being in Christ is abiding in Christ. And we get that. We, we love that word. You, 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 here's the passage, right? A beautiful passage, John 15, picture. Jesus is speaking, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it might bear more fruit. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit itself, by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, 
he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. It's another passage that we can stay for a long time. This idea of abiding, that just being part of something, that's when something goes through us and we just hold somehow that fruit. The branch cannot do, can do nothing by itself. What produces fruit is what God does. The life is in Jesus. <laughs> not what we do. It is not in us. Think of that in the, in the view of the principles. What I can do, my desires, my identity. You see? Nothing of that. Nothing what I bring is itself the most important thing. Our role is to stay connected. And I believe that is a deep realization. Connected to him. Fruitfulness is the overflow of God in us, <laughs> not our effort to produce it. So these principles or these secrets, the spiritual secrets, are not something to teach us. It's not a skill to learn in that sense, to produce fruit. It is just the awareness of our need to see ourselves in Him and Him in us. Last point, the role of the Holy Spirit. Oh, how much you can say about it, right? You can have a long conversation or a long argument too about what is the role of the Spirit. I don't pretend to go into deeper, uh, deep, deep, deep waters in that sense, but just offer you this perspective. That it comes uh, in the book and comes also a little bit of my own understanding, right? I like this, um, this phrase uh, quoting Dr. I mean, a Pastor Dick Woodward. He says, our great, greater ability is our availability. <laughs> Obviously, the availability that we have for God. So how much of us does the Holy Spirit have? That's the point. The point is uh, the role of the Holy Spirit is to be around us, not to help us to do what we think that we need to do, not to get us, uh, uh, help us to push our agenda through. He's a helper, but he's actually a helper to do God's will. He's, he's, the, he's the mediator in a way in, in our understanding, and uh, that's the help that he offers, help us to do God's will but we have to give ourselves to us. I like the idea. Sometimes I have to be filled with the Spirit, and that is true. There is a great image of that. But how much of me I have given to the Holy Spirit? I, I love the picture of that. This is about giving myself to you, Lord, instead of just wanting more of you for me. You see, it changes completely the center of my approach. Our understanding of the person of the Holy Spirit deepens our relationship as our relationship grows. You know, this is not, this is a person. This is not like a, a concept that, you know, I know people or how I know people is not only for what I know about them, but my interaction with them. I say yes and they say no. I mean, conversation is an experience or relationship is an experience more than a concept. So that is important.
to recognize this is the person. And, you know, I never will understand the spirit intellectually only until I give myself to the spirit and start sort of testing the spirit. Okay, this is what I'm going to do because I feel you're inviting me to do it. And learning how. Obedience changes from a moralistic kind of, um, yeah, uh, legalistic approach to a experiential knowing of God. Under the influence, that is the picture, right? And that's from Ephesians 5.18. Paul talking, talking, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, you know, under the influence. Under You give yourself to something. You give yourself to alcohol. You give yourself to wine, or you give yourself to God. It's a constant giving yourself to. And I believe through the Spirit, Obviously, we give ourselves to God, to Christ, to be hands, to be feet, to be eyes, to be mouths. Changes everything. Anyway, so there you go. There you have. Those are kind of my my final points. You know, so I love to hear your thoughts, your comments. The key of the principles, Christ in me. And I am in Christ. Uh, my pastor just preached this yesterday, John 15, um, um, urging and reminding us to stay connected uh, to the true vine. <laughs> and now here, I'm hearing it confirmed again. <laughs> um, like the scripture we just had, um, that God restores and confirms. And so he is being confirmed again to stay connected um, to the true vine, Jesus Christ. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Bernal. That's great. Good point. Have you noticed that there is this tendency to stay disconnected? I don't know if that happens to you, but there's a tendency for disconnection sometimes in my life. I want what I want, you know, is and this invitation of Christ is for connection. I was thinking about in our small group, I was with Saul and Vernell, and um, we were talking about this being in Christ, abiding in Christ too, from a different perspective, just more of um, how we're living these days of in a, in a culture that's so polarized over different issues. And um, we didn't talk about the issues as much as we all agreed that we need to be focused on Christ and trusting him to provide what we need when we need it and to be listening to his voice. And um Again, I mean, I just that's I keep receiving that over and over again. And when we keep things just focused on what he's told us to do, then I won't say it makes life easier, but it makes it simpler. It's kind of like I know what mine I know what mine is to do. Mine is to stay focused and trust in the Lord. And that's 
you know, I don't have to, I don't have to listen to all these various opinions or um, proofs of this or proofs of that. I don't because God will tell me what I need to do when I need to do it. And um, that just, that's encouraging to me. Very encouraging. Indeed. Thanks, Trish. How, how refreshing it is to hear that and how freeing, you know, I love how you say, I don't need to, I don't need to fix this. I don't need to be in charge of this. I don't need to make it right. I need to be connected and trust that in that connection, I'll find a way. The way will be given to me. I will be able to follow. In my experience, um, I typically find that the more I grab a hold of this reality of being in Christ and Him in me, I experience so much freedom in that. And uh, uh, just the freedom from strife. You know, uh, it's, it's just such a place of rest and, and security. Um, but, but there's then this disobedient side that, you know, I drift away from that. I don't know why I do Why do I do that? <laughs> but he's so gracious. He always... You know, gently calls me back, and <laughs> I picture, you know, a bird that flies from the nest and then <laughs> isn't ready and comes back. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we get lost. And the one who restores connection, restores connection is him. I mean, he's always there. Let's say he's always online. <laughs> Makes sense, right? We get distracted. Yeah. You know, I've been, I've been, and actually this morning I was also doing some work around the, I mean, this is more uh, psychology and, and, and counseling and the, the, the idea of attachment theory. You know, and this amazing uh, research, right? That for me reflects this reality, right? We were designed for connection. And it's not only connection, you know, okay, uh, you know, you are at home or whatever. It's emotional connection. I can add the element of a spiritual connection, right? From being babies, you know, we we have this, this inner desire, innate desire to, to be connected and know that we are okay, that somebody is holding us tight as we, as we sang this uh, earlier before this, this conversation. And when that is there, there is an okayness that allows us to be ourselves, to love well, to explore, to be courageous. But when we don't have that, when that is broken, there's all this distress. I say we kick and scream. And the babies actually do kick and scream until they don't, right? Suddenly they just 
shut down. But thinking of that design that God has given us and this need of, of connection with God, with him, and it's, it's, it's David saying, with you at my side, I will, I will jump over walls and conquer. You know, it's not superhero. It, it, it is this what we're talking about. Lord, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. The problem is when we lose that connection, distress. We'll finish with this thought too, uh, that also came as as I was thinking of what is the impact of this um, perception of this connection uh, beyond distress uh, in the spiritual aspect, right? So what happened when I don't think that God is safe? What happened when I don't think that God is good? What happened when my view of God is more of an avenger? And, and you know, we can get a scripture and understand. But what, what happened when my view of God uh, is not uh, built or, or uh, cemented in a sense of God is good and God is for me and for love? You know, you can you can talk in psychology. You can talk a lot of, of conditions and problems and situations and and trying to go around and fear and anxiety. At the end of the day, it's emotional anxiety. If that is a category, right? relational anxiety. I don't know. So how much we need to understand that the, that that God that we seek and we serve is for us and is good. And then is in us. So we we see him or we see it through him and we seek through him. So we can find. It's not outside in one of the passages that we read. It is not far. It is Romans talks about it's not very far. We have to, to, to go to heaven, you know, to try to connect with him. It is very, very close, as close as you know, with my heart, I believe, with my, my mouth, I confess. What a secure place. Thank you. Thank you for your comments and your participation. I love to, to close us with our blessing and our prayer. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. I'm gonna look twice at you Until I see the Christ in I'm looking through the eyes of love Till I'm looking through the eyes